Our second text for the morning, it comes from the book of Acts, the Pentecost text in chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. Listen, will you, for the word of God as it's proclaimed through these words of the author of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, <laughs> Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's mighty deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. The word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> A couple of weeks ago, I had a new experience. I was with a group of about 10 people, some seated on pillows on the floor, others in chairs, others lying flat on the ground. As we got comfortable, the facilitator led us in chanting, then a couple of deep breaths, then we closed our eyes and began a sound bath meditation. The small room in which we were gathered was filled with sound, rhythmic sound that came from a variety of huge gongs of different sizes, singing bowls, shells clashing against each other on a string, tumbling pebbles, in what looked like a huge tambourine that was tilted back and forth. It sounded like ocean waves. It was incredible. The sounds being orchestrated were quite loud but gentle at the same time. They were unusual sounds but also familiar. They filled every available space in that room. And for a few moments, every available space in my head and in my heart. 
For at least a few moments, I was aware of nothing but the all-encompassing sound that was in the room. The Gospel writer Luke offers this beautiful story for us about the birth of the church. The Spirit came rushing in upon disciples of Jesus like a mighty wind, and tongues of fire rested on their heads. It was noisy, unruly, certainly not manageable. It filled every available space in the house, and it filled every available space in their hearts as well. It prompted them to do new things, things they had not done before, things they had not thought of before. It prompted them all to speak in languages that were not their own. And they spoke so well that others who heard them understood. There was communication that happened. And the message they spoke about God's mighty deeds of power drew people into the community as over 3,000 people joined the church on that first Pentecost Sunday. So, we can learn a lot about the nature of the church from the experience of the earliest community of Jesus' followers. The church is a community that gathers together. It opens itself. It opens itself up to allow for the movement of the Holy Spirit to do a new thing. <clears throat> the church is a community that's filled with all kinds of people, with lots of different opinions, and they all get caught up in the power of the Holy Spirit, so they begin dreaming dreams and big dreams, God dreams. They all begin dreaming dreams under the power of the Holy Spirit. The church is a place where God's dreams and visions are proclaimed. In his book, True When Whispered, Paul Escamilla describes a house that was envisioned by the Kaufman family of Pittsburgh. It was to be a retreat home built on a beautiful piece of land in the rolling hills of western Pennsylvania, it would be situated on a level place of ground just downstream from a 30-foot waterfall that emptied into a pool that then meandered throughout the property. They envisioned a living room that would look out to the falls, that would be beautiful. They could see this majestic scene of rushing water vaulting over the rock they commissioned Frank Lloyd Wright to build the home, to design the home. But when he got back to them with plans for this house, he had designed a home that would view the waterfall, but not from the safety of downstream. Instead, the home would be anchored in the rock and then suspended right over the top of the running water. If you stepped out on the patio and you looked over the railing, you'd be able to see the rushing water hurling itself off the rock cliff, a much more intimate experience of the waterfalls than the one envisioned by the Kaufmans 
It was a little shocking. They thought their new house would have a wonderful view of the falls, but instead, the house was right on top of the falls, so it was difficult to see them. But they could hear them. They could hear that rushing water always. It was always with them. Frank Lloyd Wright told the Kaufmans, he said that he wanted, the, to make, he wanted them to live with the waterfalls, to make them part of their everyday life and not just to look at them now and then as they were passing through the living room. I think it's the perfect description for a church. The church, our church, is firmly anchored in rock. It is firmly anchored in God's love for us. That is our anchor. It is rock that is unyielding. The church's foundation is secure. It's also true that the church, while anchored in rock, is stretching out into the future, suspended in midair. You see, there's always been a measure of risk and insecurity about the church because the church wasn't designed as a stable institution. It was begun as a countercultural movement. So it's never been designed to be a stable, unchanging institution. Most importantly, the church, this church, can be assured that the currents of God's Holy Spirit are always rushing around us, always in the midst of us, always moving through us. We can't see the Spirit, but if we listen, we can hear her voice. The Holy Spirit is always with us. The church is a place for us to bathe in the Holy Spirit so that she becomes part of our everyday life. The challenge of Pentecost is to embrace the fact that we are all filled with the Holy Spirit. All of us, having been filled with the Holy Spirit, are called to say and do something that makes the message of God's love and grace clear and real for today's context. We are all called to give our witness on behalf of Christ, on God's behalf. The church is committed to speaking for God. So for God's sake, what will we say? One thing is for sure. When we all speak in our own language, like the disciples, a tongue of fire rests on each of us. The Greek word here would be more accurately translated as a language. A language rests on each of us. Where it says a tongue rested on each of them. A language rested on each of them. Each of them spoke a unique language of love. 
a unique language of love. They all had these different languages that were heard by all different kinds of people, a whole diversity of people. So it was that the message of God's mighty acts, mighty deeds of power was set loose among all the peoples of the world. I don't know the exact words that were spoken on the day of Pentecost, but I think we can be absolutely confident that through the disciples, God let everyone know that the church that was being birthed would continue what God started from the very beginning, from creation. They were told, and we are told today, that God is a God of love, not hate. That God is a God of forgiveness, not revenge. That God is a God of hope, not despair. That God is a God of liberation, not injustice. That God is a God of goodness, not evil. That God is a God of life, not death. The languages we speak to convey the message are different because we're different. But the message is consistent because God is consistent. Nicholas Kristof wrote a powerful opinion piece in the New York Times the other day. It's called, Food Doesn't Grow Here Anymore. That's why I would send my son north. He tells the story of Ana Jorge, who lives in the highlands of Guatemala. Her husband borrowed thousands of dollars a couple of years ago so that he could migrate to the United States after their crops failed. He found work in Alabama cutting flowers, but then he caught an infection and he died, leaving hungry children back home and a huge debt to pay. Two of their sons, aged 7 and 14, died of malnutrition-related diseases soon thereafter. So Anna pulled another son, Juan, out of school in the second grade so that he could help work in the fields and pay off the debt before they lost their land. Juan is now just 11 years old, and he is contemplating his traveling to the United States, trying to make his way. Food doesn't grow here anymore, says Anna. That's why I would send my son north. Droughts linked to climate change have caused famine in parts of Guatemala. Families are desperate. Says Christoph, the paradox is that American carbon emissions are partly responsible for the wretchedness in Guatemala that drives this immigration. Yet when those desperate Guatemalans arrive at the U.S. border, they're treated like invaders. On this day of Pentecost, I pray that we will all be bathed in God's Spirit. I pray the Spirit will fill every available space in our heads and in our hearts. I pray that we will acknowledge the language of God's love that rests upon each one of us, calling us to proclaim the mighty deeds of God's power and the mighty acts of God's love. Today, I pray that our language of love will include a word of hope 
for the immigrants that arrived in Dallas just last night. They are not invaders. They are our siblings, and they are legal asylum seekers. They are hungry. They are desperate. Some of them are in the hospital today because they have the flu. Children who arrived on our doorstep last night. They are the body of Christ. May we hear a message of love. May they hear a message of love from the church.